Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. Commissioner T here. But you know me also as Terrence Floyd. Before we start the show, I want to take a minute and um, don't really have these words planned. But on June 19th, my father, Arthur Floyd, passed away unexpectedly just under six weeks ago. And it has been a very difficult time for me and my brother, who also co-hosts the show, even to the point where I considered not doing the show this year. But upon further reflection, my father's favorite sport was football, and he was the one that had us watching football every Sunday. He enjoyed a good football game. So instead of not doing this show, I'm going to go the opposite direction and dedicate this season to my dad, Arthur Floyd. I miss you, Dad, and I love you. And stay tuned. The Madden Voice is right now. Voice returns. Wow. Been about two months since we've done a show. It is Tuesday, July 29th. And <laughs> believe it or not, we are uh, less than a week, uh, actually five days away from the first competitive, and I put that in quotation marks, contact football of the year. It is back. Football is here, ladies and gentlemen. And I say ladies and gentlemen because I heard an interesting stat. 45% of NFL fans are female. I, I, was, I was stunned to hear that, but 45% of NFL fans are female. So um, for any ladies out there, welcome to the Mad Voice. It's me, Commissioner T, back here at the helm. And I'll be introducing my co-host momentarily. Um, you know, normally we run the show with four hosts. And we cover the country. You know, we have me, Commissioner T, on the East Coast, Bristol, Connecticut, home of ESPN, although we are not affiliated uh, with ESPN, just happen to be in the same city as ESPN, um, their, their worldwide uh, headquarters. And we also have my brother, Jason Floyd, uh, who lives down in Atlanta. He's from Bristol, but he lives in Atlanta, covering the South for us. We have Dr. Train, uh, one of the original co-host of the Madden Voice uh, out there in California on the West Coast. Now, now Jason, my brother, uh, his girlfriend's birthday was today, and he was going to try to make it, but we got a lot of shows to do for you. So I said, dude, enjoy your family, uh, have, a good, have a good time with her, and uh, you know, we'll see you at the next show. Dr. Train went back home to Memphis for a family reunion, 
And uh, he said he would try to call in. But again, I, I said, you know, do your thing, bro. We got a lot of shows coming up. It's okay. But we do have the man himself. We do have this, this guy. Not only is he um, one of the best Madden players in the world, not only was he one of the stars of Madden Nation Season 4, go ahead and Google it or go to iTunes and check it out. But I got to say, I may have to relinquish my title of the Madden voice. I've been known as the Madden voice, a.k.a. the voice of Madden for a number of years. But this, this dude right now, I think, I think may have surpassed me and may now be the legitimate voice of Madden with all the stuff that he's out there doing, playing in tournaments, hosting tournaments, commentating at tournaments. I, I, I got to admit, I, I got to give credit where credit is due. The man is here with us, my co-host, my brother from another mother, K-Star. Welcome back to the Madden Voice. What's going on, T? I appreciate the intro. And, you know, I, I got, first of all, thank you. Secondly, I do want to say that uh, while being the voice of Madden is, is terrific, um, or at least challenging your you for that throne. Um, being the face of Madden is also something that uh, I aspire to be in it since taking over. So to everyone out there, you may have the voice of Madden, which is T, or you can call it me. It doesn't matter. But same thing, you have the face of Madden here as well. So you have the voice. You have the face and the voice of Madden all up in the airwaves. And, uh, yeah, like I said, T, uh, Hot 96.3, a radio station here uh, in Indiana, the biggest one. They threw a Madden tournament at, you know, Black Expo recently, uh, and I am your 2014 Indiana Black Expo Madden champion. It was fun. It was a great time. Uh, the guys there, they all had a wonderful time. Um, it's been a fun off season, but like you said, football is here, so I am so excited, so ready for it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's great, you know, and unfortunately with football means fall and winter is coming too, but we're not going to rush fall and winter. We still get probably about half the season at the NFL season, a pretty decent weather, um, you know, before we start to get into the November cooler months. So we still have September and October of warm weather games. So, so you know, let's not rush the cold weather. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, football is here. Uh, we've got the Hall of Fame game uh, on, uh, on Sunday at 8 o'clock, the Giants and the Bills. And, um, you know, the class of 2014, we're, we're not going to spend much time on it, but I thought since this is the Hall of Fame uh, uh, a show, we might as well at least mention the guys that are going into the Hall of Fame and uh, Derek Brooks, uh, Ray Guy, long overdue. You, you know, I remember. I'm unfortunately uh, uh, significantly older than than uh, K Star. Actually, I'm older than all. I'm the oldest co-host. Therefore, I've been watching football the longest. And um, Ray Guy, I mean, this this guy. I don't know what took so long, maybe because he was a punter and they only, you know, they only play about eight snaps a game, maybe. But this guy's leg, this guy, what this guy could do punting for the Raiders was you had to watch it to see it. You, you generally didn't want the Raiders to punt. I mean, that's really how teams played them because he was that good. You, you just didn't want to do it, you know. So um, it long overdue. Claude Humphrey, Walter Jones, Andre Reed, uh, Michael Strahan, and Aeneas Williams uh, rounds out the class. Um, I, I don't have any issues with anybody going into the Hall of Fame. I think they're all deserving, and congratulations to, to all of them. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Jeff Reed, though, uh, uh, what they want to say about him is for years and years and years, I've been hearing the favorable cry for him to get in the Hall of Fame. So I'm glad that those, that those wines will finally relinquish and that he will be inducted in the Hall of Fame just for the very sake that I don't have to hear it anymore. 
I really don't. For who? I'm for which player? Uh, for Mr. Reed himself. Um, oh, Andre Reed? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Andre Reed. I've been here for yeah. years from Bills fans and all oh, that yeah. good stuff. But I want to say, though, I'm very upset. Although I'm, I know he'll get in eventually. I was, I was disappointed that Jerome Bettis wasn't um, inducted into this class. But, I mean, this is a great class. I can't complain. Has, it, has it been Jones. five years? Has it been five years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, was, uh, he missed it. Oh, okay. he, 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 yeah. he missed his class. Ah, he'll get in. That, that, that's just that. That's another. That's you know, it happens sometimes. Yeah. yeah, he'll get in. I mean, that's. I mean, what do you have? Over twelve thousand yards in his career. Yeah, uh, he's a Super Bowl time yeah. NFL. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, if he doesn't get in, then I mean, you might as well just discount the whole list. Ridiculous. Um, so I want to jump right since since you brought up Bettis, and since and, and since we know that you're the Pittsburgh Steeler authority on the show. And I want to jump. I I want to get. I want to start off the season with K Star fired up. Okay, the, the, the show ain't the show until either Commissioner T or K Star is fired up about something. Okay, I don't got nothing to be fired about about yet, but I know K Star's got something to be fired up about. So I I'll just set the stage. And I'm gonna turn it over to K Star. But Emmanuel Sanders, former Steel oh, wide Emmanuel. receiver, made a comment about Peyton Manning being a better leader than Big Ben. Now, I don't think there's too many people that can discuss this better than K-Star, being as he's a Pittsburgh Steeler diehard and a huge Peyton Manning fan since he lives right where Peyton played most of his career. So if anybody can first talk about these two quarterbacks, it's K-Star. But more importantly, I'm dying to hear K-Star's thoughts on his former wide receiver, the speedster Emmanuel Sanders and his comments. K-Star, take it away. Before I address Emmanuel Sanders' comments, I want to address Emmanuel Sanders, the player, because even though he made those comments as disgusting, as, as inaccurate, and as you know, uh, deceiving uh, and tongue-in-cheek as they were, Emmanuel Sanders, IFL, has always been a player in Pittsburgh that underwhelmed, Underachieved, never lived up to his potential, never raised the level of his game like his teammates have, never stepped up like Antonio Brown did, like Mike Wallace did. Like that's the, the point is, there's a lot of great receivers that Ben Roethlisberger has made in to becoming great receivers, but Emmanuel Sanders apparently feels a little left out. So he went on his way to Denver, and again, this player, Emmanuel Sanders, is a guy who was underachieving throughout his career in Pittsburgh, but still got decent money because he's very, you know, the guy is talented. He has some good straight line speed. He's athletic, but he's not a route runner. He's not going to catch balls in traffic. If anything, my biggest concern, and again, this had nothing to do with his comments. I promise you, I felt this way for a long, long time about Emmanuel Sanders. He is going to stall that Broncos offense. And the fact of the matter is, if they think, realistically for a second, this guy can replace Eric Decker, they're in <laughs> for a rude awakening. This guy will not cont- catch contested passes. He cannot catch a deep streak, a deep post with a defender in his face because his hands are not good. But moreover, he lacks focus. He cannot concentrate. And not only can he not do it on the field, but apparently he can't do it off the field. Because for him to take a shot at Ben Roethlisberger as a leader is so disrespectful, it's so disgusting, and it's just misguided anger. Emmanuel Sanders should be mad at himself, not for Ben, not for Ben, because Ben worked to get him those yards. Ben, I'm sorry, was actually the guy breaking sacks 
trying to get Emmanuel Sanders freebies down the field uh, as Ben Roethlisberger can break away from the pocket better than anyone else in the National Football League and maybe we've ever seen. He's a guy that buys receivers extra time to get open. And Emmanuel Sanders still couldn't get open, not once, uh, not enough time, not 65 yards a game in a 16-game season ever to even break 1,000 yards. Emmanuel Sanders is a scrub. And you know what? Now he's Denver's scrub. And for him, again, to bash Ben Roethlisberger, when Ben Roethlisberger is a two-time Super Bowl champion, not just one, and as a guy who has been to many, as many Super Bowls as, as uh as Dave Manning has, three, they both have, Ben has a better playoff record, a better Super Bowl record, has a, a, a win percentage in the regular season comparable to that of Peyton Manning, you know, and there's no reason why his, his leadership should be attacked. And he then, Emmanuel Sanders, went on to say, oh, but Ben's a great guy, you know, he's great in the Pittsburgh system. System? What, what system are you talking about? I mean, I didn't know that Pittsburgh had some set system that made quarterbacks really good. Really? You want to go through all the good great quarterbacks you've had in the past 20 years? Well, there's only one. There's Ben Roethlisberger. And I believe Todd Haley got here a year ago, and we already bitching a bit about Todd Haley, weren't we? You see, Ben Roethlisberger won two Super Bowls not under Todd Haley. He did it under Bruce Arians. One under Bruce Arians. One under Ken Wisenhunt. So he had three different coaches he was successful for right off the bat. So, again, another flawed comment by Emmanuel Sanders, who lacks focus on and off the field. But, again, it's just disrespectful, and he is blatantly almost sacrilegious to the point where he would question Ben Roethlisberger's leadership. I mean, yes, not everyone can work, and not everyone chooses to work as hard as Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning is compulsive. He is the most prepared, most practice-worthy creature of habit in the NFL. You know, no one can live up to that. But leadership, at the end of the day, Ben Roethlisberger has led his, led his team to more Super Bowls than Peyton Manning has. And one more thing, Emmanuel Sanders, one thing I want you to remember is every Steeler receiver that's left Ben Roethlisberger, their career has gone down south. Mike Wallace, well, he literally has gone down south to take his town to South Beach. He forgot to take Big Ben with him. Last year he had a horrible year. You know, he was a 1,200-yard receiver. Now he uh, barely passed 1,000 yards last season. It was a huge, colossal disappointment. You look at Fletcher Burst, while he won a Super Bowl, he wasn't as good as he was in Pittsburgh with Big Ben. And look at Antonio Holmes, he's even on an NFL team. So, Emmanuel Sanders, you, sir, are a scrub and an idiot, and I have no respect for you for taking that unnecessary comment at Big Ben. First of all, let me talk about Emmanuel Sanders briefly. I can't add to anything you said, but I'll just say it's classless to me. Um, that, that's my main reaction to leaving a team and going to another team and then on for whatever your reason feeling a need to call out your your quarterback um you can say whatever you want about your new quarterback without mentioning Big Ben. He could have said everything that he said and not even mentioned Big Ben. And if someone asks, just say, they're, they're two different quarterbacks. Big Ben is great in his way. Peyton is great in his way. Um, I haven't played with Peyton the whole season yet, um, so give me time. But like what I see so far, there is just a way to handle things. And I kind of wish that I could hire myself to be like the, the spokesperson for some of these players in the NFL that get themselves in trouble because they just don't know what to say? Because that's stupid. That's just dumb. I mean, clearly you're playing with a Hall of Famer, okay, um, in, in Peyton Manning. But argu- arguably, Ben's on his way there too. And 
two to one in Super Bowls. I mean, at the end of the day, isn't this what this is all about? Stats are great, all of that, and you know, you talk about leadership and all of that. But three appearances, Ben's got two, Peyton's got one, and you're gonna make the. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's not cool. It doesn't make you look good. It doesn't endear you to your new team. You know, because they're, they're sitting and looking at you like, you know, wait a minute, now nah, what you going to say if, if you leave us and go somewhere else next year? doesn't endear you to your old team. And it's not even credible because everybody knows Big Ben is a great leader. They, 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 everybody knows that. That follows football. So it's just it's ridiculous. But I must say, K-Star, I, I will have to say that you came down awfully hard on this guy and you were not this critical of him when he was in the Steeler uniform. Please don't sit there and try to say you, you felt this way while he was with the Steelers. Because uh, if you did, you kept it to yourself. Um, you, you were certainly critical at certain times of any player in a Steeler uniform when they deserve to be criticized. But you are uh, 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 black and gold uh, right down to your toenails. And uh, some of the stuff you're saying, yeah, I mean, calling him a scrub now? You're calling him a scrub because he's in a Denver Bronco uniform? Hey, that's why I didn't mention him, honestly, T. Last year, he, he was never worthy of being mentioned. He was never relevant on the Steelers. He was a starting player for one season, and he wasn't good. And it was certainly not Big Ben's fault. The guy is, I mean, Antonio Brown had 1,500 yards receiving last year. We've seen Antonio Holmes. We've seen Heinz Ward. We've seen Pesco Burris. The guy was a scrub. I wasn't even worth mentioning. And now he wants to make himself relevant in the media. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think, I, I, yeah, but you never called him a scrub. And I think a lot of your issues in the beginning, especially when you guys were in that losing streak, was on was Haley in the offense. Haley didn't let Big Ben, you know, be Big Ben. And then when, he, when, he, when, when finally Big Ben, whether it was Haley's doing or Tomlin's doing or Big Ben just said, to heck with you, I'm doing it, then you guys started winning and almost got into the playoffs. But um, so, yeah, I, I, I just had to, I had to make that, 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 that observation because you, you do tend to be very pro your team, and then when the people leave your team, all of a sudden you're no longer pro uh, the, uh, those players. And I'm, I'm going to be monitoring that this year. I'm going to be on it. I'm calling you out this year, K-Star. Anytime you do that, I'm calling you out, brother. I swear to God. <laughs> you know, Pete, I, I do want to say, though, that I was a huge fan of Pesco Bursting after he left Pittsburgh. I was very sad to see him go. I did root for Santonio Holmes, you know, and, yeah, and Mike Wallace, I, I, and I was disappointed to see him go too. I mean, I, I, think I, I really wasn't disappointed to see Emmanuel Sanders go. Well, I, I do think that your Plaxico is probably the only one who, I mean, he, he, he also was out of the league for a couple of years after he shot himself, and he did come back and win a Super Bowl. So I, I do think he managed to maintain a certain level of production oh, yeah, yeah, in, in the league without Ben. But you're right, Mike Wallace hasn't really done much. Um, no. Uh, no. Santonio Holmes hasn't really done much. I don't even know if he's on a roster right now. Um, no. So, so, so you're, 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 you're right with those two players for sure. Um, Let's talk uh, – I, I really wanted to talk about this one myself, um, Johnny Manziel, um, and then we're going to talk about some rule changes so everybody knows some of the rules that have been changed for the upcoming year. Um, but I did want to talk about Johnny Manziel. But I'm going to talk about I, – I, I got a little bone to pick um, with the Cowboys and Jerry Jones, and I love me some Jerry Jones. I don't care what anybody says, all the Cowboy fans that want to be critical of Jerry Jones and say that he should hire a GM and all the non-Cowboy fans that want to be critical of Jerry Jones. and uh, You know, I'm, I'm, all that don't mean nothing to me. It don't mean anything to me. 
But I do have one small issue, and then we'll talk about Manziel uh, with, with the Browns. But, you know, Jerry Jones recently came out, and I, and I watched the interview where he's now claiming to have been that close to um, drafting Johnny Manziel. Um, after the draft, he said that he, it was never – it was not really an, – an, you know, it wasn't really an, an option because you have Tony Romo. Um, Jerry, I'm confused now. I'm, I'm confused because – I don't think anyone would have blamed you then if you had said we really gave it a good – what you said now, I wish you had said then, because I don't think anybody would have blamed you with Romo having another back surgery. And, and, and while we as Cowboy fans hope that he's 100% and can sustain a hit and be around for the next three or four years or however long his career is going to last, um, if you had went after Manziel for insurance um, – I, I couldn't have blamed you. I could not have blamed you at all. But you obviously felt comfortable not doing that, and I'm okay with that too. Why then come out now and say you almost did? And I don't. I, even if even if you're contradicting yourself, which you are, I don't get the point in saying that now. I just some again. I will say it again. And Jerry Jones is one of the most articulate interviews you will find as an owner in the NFL because he's always on TV. And the guy is very well spoken. I'm not even going to try to say that I'm better spoken than Jerry Jones. But on this particular issue, I don't get why you come out and say you were that close to drafting Manziel. I don't understand the point in that. You didn't draft him. He's with the Browns. You got Romo. You got Whedon, who was with the Browns last year. Um, those are your quarterbacks. Kyle Orton's gone. Kitna, gone. Those are your quarterbacks. So what's even the point? I don't get it. I, even as a lifelong Cowboy fan, this one confuses me, Jerry. So please, I, I'm, I'm going to give you a pass, but you, you caught my attention for the wrong reason. You know, I, I liked a lot of what went on in the offseason. I like being under the radar. I like there was no big splashy moves. I like that. We had to let DeMarcus Ware go. I'm okay with that. He gave us nine good years. That's fine. Let him go make money somewhere else, and good luck, DeMarcus. I will always be a DeMarcus Ware fan. But he got to make $30 million over in Denver. Congratulations and good luck to, to DeMarcus Ware. You know, I, I'm okay with that. Jason Hatcher is gone. I'm okay with that. You know, uh, 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 um. The other guy there uh, went over to Chicago. He's gone, nose tackle. Uh, Jay Ratliff, it's okay. Miles Austin, gone. It's okay. Dallas will be fine. We'll be competitive. But, Jerry, just just think for a minute. Why am I even saying this? What is the point? That's what I don't understand. All right, enough on that. Um, K-Star, your thoughts on, you know, <laughs> it's very interesting what's going on in Cleveland with Hoyer and Manziel. And the, 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 the staff, the coaching staff, um, I don't want to say they're taking necessary pot shots at Manziel, but uh, it, it, in a situation where you have a first-round draft pick coming in, we don't really know what's going on over there in Cleveland. What, what are your thoughts on how Manziel is getting treated? And, and also give me your thoughts on, you know, should this be an open competition? Should Manziel get it because he's, he, you know, he, he's a former Heisman Trophy winner? Hoyer, give, give me your thoughts on the whole Cleveland situation. And I know they're in your division, so uh, try to keep your, your bias out of it if you can. Right. Uh, you know, the Cleveland situation is, uh, honestly, it's an awkward one. 
it's very awkward. You know, they drafted this guy in the first round, and they are treating him like, you know, he, he like, left the team, you know, in the middle of the season or something and just left all those players out to dry, you know, and came back and expected his job. You know, Johnny Manziel didn't draft the Cleveland Browns. The Cleveland Browns drafted Johnny Manziel. And for the coaches, the GM specifically, you know, to be when blasting him and attacking him through the media, it's not okay. I mean, you hear it all the time from NFL players, you know, in regards to locker room issues, they keep this, that stuff indoors. Well, what's different here? I mean, if players really have a problem with, with what Menzel's been doing um, off the field, you know, they need, they need to express those concerns uh, within the locker room and, and, you know, on the field as well. Um, while one can argue, yes, Johnny Menzel has been clearly, you know, very public with everything, well, it doesn't mean the Browns have to be. You know, they're, again, choosing to blast him through the media. I think that is an attempt to try to change him, uh, to try to mature him, to try to toughen him up, but I don't feel like it's the right approach. You know, and as far as Hoyer goes, I mean, who is he? You know, he's a guy who is a journeyman quarterback at the end of the day. He played two games last year. He was effective. You know, but he wasn't a Heisman Trophy winner. He wasn't an electric player in college. He isn't a particularly great athlete, you know, in the likes of Johnny Manziel. And while Johnny Manziel should earn his job like anyone else, he shouldn't have to do it with the coach breathing down his neck to the media. You know, it, it should be done internally within the Browns organization, within the locker room, and within the players, not, again, through the media, perpetuated by the Browns. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, so, no, he should be handed the job. He should earn it. But, again, the Cleveland situation is an awkward one because it just it looks weird. Yeah, and, I, and I'll just say this. There's a reason why Cleveland – Sports in general has not been relevant. And now, you know, yes, we, we all know, and, and, and uh, I'm sure um, K-Star has his uh, very, very, very biased thoughts on LeBron going back to the Cavaliers. Um, and, I can and share now them with you if you want. If you want to get your lunch eaten, by all means, share them with me because you, you, you're completely your, – your whole LeBron argument is baseless. It's the worst argument I've ever – heard you do on, in anything sports related and I have a ton of respect for your sports acumen I mean, let me just say this okay so when I hear something from you that's baseless I am surprised because I respect your knowledge of, of all sports I expect your ability to analyze and review the facts and separate emotion most of the time but in this situation with LeBron James and I and I don't mean to you know get off since we're talking Cleveland you're completely biased because of what happened this year with your Pacers you're completely biased. I, I, I've read your Facebook stuff, but feel free. Go ahead. Let's do it right now. Feel free to share your this LeBron is, James. This, this is terrific. This is wonderful because you're bashing me without knowing my perspective, I've my take, it. my opinion I've on LeBron. It. I think it's terrific that LeBron went back to Cleveland. I have a tremendous and newfound respect for LeBron James. Yeah, but, but let's know, back I, up for a minute. But let's back up for a minute. What you are leaving out. See, you, can't, you, you can do this to people that don't know you. You can do this to people. And I, I saw that. But let's back up for a minute. You also blasted. You're, bla you're saying that. But then when people were saying LeBron didn't have enough help, and that's why they got smoked by the Spurs, he didn't have enough help, what did you say about that? But then you applaud him going to Cleveland. So which is it? Well, that, listen, I'm taking what LeBron said or what LeBron 
you know, his actions, by his actions. I'm not looking at LeBron going back to Cleveland as an opportunity to reload elsewhere, you know, to try to play the emotional hometown hero card that really, you know, is doing it because it's a better situation. I, I feel like LeBron is going back because he does realize the importance of playing at Cleveland, how much they need him, and how much he does feel like Cleveland's child. I, and I do feel like he has a great remorse and everything else for Cleveland and for what he did, uh, putting the, you know, national spotlight on him with the decision. LeBron, as far as Miami's LeBron, I have no sympathy for what happened to him in the, in the finals because at the end of the day, he's the one who chose that situation, that circumstance. He made the decision to play with who he played with, and they got destroyed by the Spurs. So, I mean, at the end of the day, some fall has to be put on him uh, for choosing a team apparently that wasn't still good enough as a mercenary. But wait, 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 wait. How can you? How can you say in any way? This is this is where this is where I say baseless. Four finals appearances in two rings. He's terrific. I'm not bashing him. There's, I'm really there's, not. There's no, there's no fault. There's nothing to fault. There's a, they, they didn't get it done. They lost, period, in the discussion. That's it. Doesn't matter why. They didn't, they didn't get it done. But the previous two years, he got it done. Two out of four, which, again, I, you know, we all know Jordan was six for six. I'm not saying compared to Jordan. I'm saying the decision to go to Miami was a great decision. Because you I, I, listen, I never said it wasn't a great decision. But I, what I did say about LeBron was he made the decision. He brought that spotlight to himself. So when they don't succeed in that, you know, in that given situation when they're expected to, then some of that has to fall on LeBron as well because he chose who he played with. You can't you know, play the teammates aren't good enough card because, well, he chose that, so there has to be some culpability. Well, he could, he could, some no, no, culpability he could, that has to be taken No, no, we can, we, can, we can state a realization that the team play from last season to the previous season was not the same. That that's not that's not um, absolving LeBron at all. That's just stating a, a fact. Guys like Chalmers and Ray Allen and some of these guys did not even even well. Wade 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 was healthier, but I don't think Wade played as well. Statistics aside, as he did the previous year, neither did Bosh. I really think the only guy who was consistent from last year to this year was 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 LeBron James. But but that said, even if we even if we say he should have had a better team around him. The decision to go to Miami was a smart decision, no matter whether they won this year or lost, based on the fact that he got two rings and guys like Barkley and Patrick Hewen and John Stockton and, and Carl Malone and these guys, superstars, Hall of Famers, got zero. Here's a guy 29 years old with two rings. So, hey. Um, and, and, and I never said it was a bad decision. Well, yeah, it, it, it appeared that you, you were questioning it when people were saying he didn't have the team, and you said, well, he made the choice to go there. Well, he made a smart choice to go there. Whether he right. had the team uh, I'm just saying, this year or not. It didn't, it, didn't work out for him. it didn't work out for him last year. That's all. No, but, I mean, but two rings as well. But let me, let me just say this on, and then we'll get back to football. Let me just say this on, yeah, on yeah. going back to Cleveland. Um, I, I, don't, I, I personally don't give him – I don't care that he's claiming to be – it a hometown thing. I don't care. Um, he's getting paid well to go there, number one. But my biggest problem, my, actually my only problem, I don't care where he plays, my problem is, and this probably comes mainly from an African-American position of 
not liking Dan Gilbert's letter that he had on the Internet for so long on the web page about LeBron. I read the letter many times. I thought it was a slave mentality of an owner and a player owing an owner and the team something that was just not realistic. Did LeBron need to make it a big spectacle? No. But did he have every right to leave and go to Miami? Yes. What did he owe you? Not a damn thing. Not a damn thing. It's business. Just like he's leaving Miami, and now those players that are, you know, I, 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 uh, uh, Shabazz Napier has deleted him off of Twitter, and Miami fans are burning uh, his jersey. Wait, 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 wait. He brought you two rings. He helped bring you two rings. He's making the decision to go to Cleveland. Okay, bye. That's his right. And so you're not going to see Pat Riley or any of the Miami, you know, write a big letter, and he turned his back on us, and we did. No, they're going to move on and continue to play basketball. But Dan Gilbert made it personal. And to me, when you read the letter, it came across very much like a slave master mentality. My opinion. It's just me, Commissioner T, talking. LeBron didn't owe you anything. He played out his contract. He, he left, and he brought you guys to the finals. Couldn't get over the hump, but certainly brought a lot of money into Cleveland, brought, put that team on the map when that team, team was, was really nothing before he got there. And all of that bitterness, and to me, if I'm LeBron, as badly as he wanted to go home, so he says, I, I, I think the owner's got to do a little bit more than what he did before I go back. The owner's just got to do a little more public, some sort of retraction, some sort of something to say, maybe I overreacted, maybe that was a bit strong. You know, he didn't do anything like that. All he said was, LeBron and I talked, we cleared the air, and it would be good to have him back. No! No! You owe him more than that because your letter was out of bounds. It was personal. It was insulting. And you know what? You promised. I promise that we will win a title before he does. Not only did you not win one, you didn't even get to the finals. He got there four times. So now you look like a freaking idiot. I just, for me, that's my only problem with it. Other than that, I could care less. Go play in Cleveland. Go play in L.A. Go play wherever you want to play. That's your right as a basketball player, just like it's every owner's right to cut or, or sign whoever they want. I don't have a problem with the business end of it. I just have a problem with that end of it. I think, I think this guy got off a little too easy. I think LeBron let him get off a little too easy. That's just, that's just my opinion. Um, um, I've got some breaking news that I don't know that you know about, K-Star, that um, just coming across my, my, uh, my gadgets, um, and we, can, we, can, we, we didn't put this in our agenda, but I think it's, it's important to discuss. But in case it's 7.30 Eastern Time, 7.30, uh, actually 7.33 Eastern Time, and apparently within the last hour or so, Stephen A. Smith has been suspended for one week by ESPN for his comments uh, about Ray Rice um, and, and that whole situation. Now, for those of you who uh, may not have uh, uh, followed this, um, Ray, Ray Rice, there's, a, there's a, a video of some sort of dis domestic dispute between Ray Rice, who's a running back with the Baltimore Ravens, and his wife. And we only got to see him carrying her or dragging her out of an elevator. We don't know if she's drunk. We don't know if she's unconscious. We just see him dragging her out of an elevator. There is a video of what went on in the elevator that has not been released to the general public, but apparently the NBA and certain other officials have been allowed to see that video. Based on that, I'm sorry, NBA, NFL, I apologize. Um, based on that, 
Ray Rice was suspended for two games. And a lot of people felt that that was a light suspension when even your very own Ben Roethlisberger faced um, something more severe for what appeared to be a less egregious um, uh, penalty. Um, And there's other examples of more severe penalties for less egregious. um, uh, And again, we don't... We, we, and we don't know, but from what we know. So that, that was the big issue. So Stephen A. came on and, and did what he usually does and talks about um, the, the penalty. And, and he kind of felt like at that time that the penalty was fine and he didn't have an issue with it. And he made a comment about provoking and women provoking men and that women kind of, and I'm paraphrasing because I did, I did actually save that episode of First Take and watched it, and his comment was something to the effect of we, we have to also realize that sometimes women will do things that could provoke a man, and he did in no way, shape, or form did he condone a man putting his hands on a woman, but he also said, you know, you have to kind of be careful what the things that you say and the things that you do so you don't put yourself in that position. Something along those lines is what he said. And the comments um, were swift and decisive against um, Stephen A. Smith, including um, Michelle Beadle, who I believe works for ESPN, uh, commented. I'm reading her comment. So I was just forced to watch this morning's first take. A, I'll never feel clean again. B, I am now aware that I can provoke my own beating. I'm thinking about wearing a miniskirt this weekend. I'd hate to think what I'd be asking for by doing so. Um, Violence isn't the victim's issue, it's the abuser's. To insinuate otherwise is irresponsible and disgusting. Walk away. So, um, the long and short of it was, this was going on over the weekend. Uh, Yesterday morning, I made a point of being right there at 10 o'clock for first take, and Stephen A., uh, while he did issue an apology over the weekend, issued a very heartfelt... Um, I thought rather sincere apology, pretty much saying that it was it was stupid what he said. He he didn't articulate what he was really trying to say. He didn't mean it. He apologized if he offended anybody. It was wrong. I mean, he didn't make any excuses. He said it was wrong. And even on today's first take, he made kind of a reference to I of all people, and actually talking about Emmanuel Sanders and how what Emmanuel Sanders said, and he said, hey, I of all people understand sometimes that you could say things and not mean it the way it came out. Um, so that said now, and, and let's be clear, Stephen A. Smith is one of the top paid anchors, um, very well respected, very well liked, and has a huge following. Um, and now being suspended, he will not be on ESPN Radio in New York, and he will not be on First Take for the next week. Um, so with all of that said, I, I felt the need to kind of bring everybody up to speed because I don't know where everybody is on that. Um, first of all, K-Star, let's, let's start with Stephen A. being suspended because that's kind of the hot news. Your thoughts on Stephen A. being suspended, and then secondly, your thoughts on the Ray Rice suspension. Um, you know, is two games, based on what we know enough, should have been more. What, what are your thoughts on Stephen A. and then on Ray, Ray Rice? Uh, Stephen A.'s suspension, um, it's unfortunate, you know, but this is an era, a world that we live in that really uh, is all about political correctness. I feel like that that opinion that he has, while it has some merit, no matter how good the articulation is, isn't allowed to be stated over, you know, a, a matter 
over, you know, uh, domestic violence. Uh, it's just not something that people, the public have tolerance for, and people need to complain. You know, people are going to get their feelings hurt. Um, and I don't say that uh, facetiously because, uh, you know, that's the, the, the valid, right? I mean, there's a lot of, of domestic violence that goes on in America, around the world, um, and it's very sad. It's very unfortunate. Uh, as far as his particular comments go, I personally wasn't offended by him, but then again, I've never been a victim, right? Uh, but, I mean, you know, there's some truth to the fact that some women, just as men do, know how to push their partner's, you know, buttons, right? They know how to provoke people in the sense that they know how to get them angry. It doesn't necessarily mean they know how to get them to strike them. You know, no one should ever let themselves lose control. However, there are definitely men, just as there are women that know how to push each other's buttons and, and get them to the point where maybe they may lose control. And all I believe Stephen A. was saying is in that situation, there still has to be, you know, some wise, you know, decision that, that need to come from a lady's end or from a man's end, whoever's pushing each other's buttons, you know, don't act like surprised. Don't, you know, be naive when you, there's some consequences that are to be had for it. Now, I don't agree with it, but I understand the message and the point. Um, you know, as far as her advice goes, uh, listen, I mean, the NFL, they saw the video, right? They saw what happened in the elevator. We did not. They have information that we, don't, we do not have the general public. And, you know, they, they suspended Ben Roethlisberger four games for something that uh, was alleged, you know, something that had no charges, you know, something that, um, honestly, to this very day, I don't think has, has any merit. But, you know, they made their decision when they did. Um, so it's a little surprising that it's only two games. You know, there's there's people who, you know, talk about, you know, some players had DUIs and they're suspended for four games. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> you're comparing DUIs, you're comparing domestic violence. Really, they're both terrible. They're both wrong. You know, the last I checked, DUIs are pretty damn uh, egregious and pretty bad considering you can literally kill yourself or someone else on the road. Uh, thank you, Dante Stallworth. You know, we've seen what happened there. Um, so two games. I'm just going to sit here and assume that the NFL saw enough and that, you know, they made the right decision based off, you know, what they had seen that we, we, that we are not privy to, that we have not, the public uh, had information uh, to really assess and really make a fair uh, judgment on, on Ray Rice's, you know, uh, season and, and how many games will be suspended. It is, it is um, interesting that I – must educate you so early on in the season. Um, for, first and foremost, K-Star, let me ask you a very pointed question. Is there ever a situation where you would hit a woman? No. Okay. So, so I, and I, I assumed that you would say that because I have the pleasure of, of actually knowing you personally and having met you uh, face-to-face on a number of occasions, and I don't get that vibe from you even a little bit. Oh, that goes with legitimate self-defense. I will say that. I'm not well, that, that self-defense is, is not – self-defense, if, if, if you're in a position where a woman could cause you harm and comes at you with a weapon, that is, that is not domestic violence. Okay, so let's let's be clear. Um, I'm talking about what you alluded to and what Stephen A. alluded to is the provoking. And to me, there is no situation where a man should be provoked to put his hands on a woman. You walk away, period. 
in in most cases we are bigger, we are stronger, and you walk away. You don't put your hands on a woman, period. And that's it. There's no provoking. You walk away. If she pulls a gun on you, you do what you got to do. If she pulls a knife on you, you do what you got to do. But if you're in an argument, there's no provoking. You walk away if you feel like you can't control yourself. So I don't agree with any of that insinuation at all. I don't agree with it even a little bit. Um, I also don't agree with the assertion that that, that DUI is worse than domestic violence. Um, DUI is self-inflicted. DUI, you, you had the choice to drink or not, and you could have not drank. You, you may be in a situation to hurt somebody. You may not. DUI is driving while being drunk. Who's the victim? We don't know. Domestic violence, there is a victim. DUI, there may not be a victim. It could just be you were swerving on a road and you get pulled over. Domestic violence, there's a victim. If the NFL felt the need to impose a suspension, then two games is an insult, period. Either, either you look at the tape and say it was self-defense or whatever, therefore we feel as though his actions were justified, no suspension, or you say, no, what you did was out of line, and you're out and you make it hurt. Four, six, eight games. You make it hurt. Two games is an insult. You cannot send a message on any level that an NFL athlete is allowed to put his hands on a woman. Period. To me, it ain't even, and hey, it ain't even, DOI ain't even in the same conversation. And hey, we've got uh, Josh Brent, who recently, um, Got out of jail for killing Jerry Brown. Good friends that were out drinking. And he was drunk and got into a car accident and killed him. Okay? And we all know how that ended up. You know, went to jail, da-da-da. We don't know if he's coming back to play football or not. And to me, as bad as that is, someone losing his life, I don't compare that to a woman getting hit on or beat on or whatever by a man. That woman didn't ask for that. And the man can walk away. So to me, it to me, and and, and, and it, it's not even an issue. It should not even be. It should, it should not even be a discussion. Should not even be a discussion. You do not put your hand on a woman, and you do not have a policy that condones that. And my final point is, Stephen A. has a habit of speaking about society issues as if he's an authority. And he's no more of an authority than I am than you are anybody listening to this show. He is a man who covers sports. And sometimes when he gets on his little soapbox, I sit there and I cringe because you've got millions of people listening to you and following you, and you are in a position to influence things, and you, you do not, you, you are not an authority on everything. And I sometimes wish he would sp- stick to what he is paid to cover, which is sports. And by going outside of that and talking about provocation, yes, you got what you deserve, Stephen A. I don't got a, I, I'm glad that they sent, ESPN has sent the message. And I'm pretty sure that he is, has no issue with the suspension. I'm pretty sure that he's okay with it. And maybe it'll be a lesson to him to think about what you're going to speak on. Think about it. Because you really didn't even have to go there. You really didn't even have to. Talk about the suspension and what we know. And based on what we know, what do you think? Do you think two games is enough or not? Period. 
you thought it was, but then you came back, which he does all the time, and flip-flops, and came back and said, um, well, based on the fact that women are in the audience and, and that decision could impact women and blah, 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 then, yeah, I could understand wanting more games. Well, you didn't say that on Friday. You said you thought two games was, was okay based on what we knew. So why you f- make up your mind? I'm saying two games ain't enough. If you suspend him, you suspend him, and, and you make it significant. You send a message that putting your hands on a woman is not okay under any circumstances, period. It's not okay. No, it's not okay. It's not. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, I don't really feel it's fair to compare domestic violence and DUIs because you're, you're basically comparing what, you know, two wrongs, right? You're comparing two, you know, bad things, two potentially dangerous, two, you know, uh, situations in which a lot of harm, a lot of damage, potential, you know, fatality, stuff like that can be caused. Um, I will say, though, that saying that, you know, domestic violence is unequivocally uh, a lesser, or I would say a greater evil than, than DUIs, I, I completely disagree with that. I don't think anyone really has the, the right to say that because at the end of the day, there's some people who don't get up from someone else's, you know, DUI, and they didn't ask for that either. Just as yeah, the people who... Yeah, but, 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 but you're looking uh, at... I'm, I'm just saying. You're, yeah, but you're going to pick the ones like the Jerry Brown and make that your case. And I'm saying every domestic violence, a woman is hurt. Every DUI, that's not the case. Every DUI, you could be swerving on the road, get pulled over, and they, they test you, and it's a DUI. And all you were was swerving. Every domestic violence, a female, right? Because if you and I fight, it's not domestic violence. So it's domestic violence when I, using me as an example, so forgive me, I don't put my hands on women, but when I, if I'm engaged with a woman physically, now it's domestic violence. In every case of domestic violence, a woman is being physically assaulted. Every case versus the DUIs, which there are some that ends up, unfortunately, in fatalities. But the vast majority of them are people that are driving too fast or fall asleep at the wheel and sitting on the side of the road or their car was swerving or they turned when they should have or they didn't have their headlights on or something ridiculous. Cop sees them, pulls them over, slurring their words, get out, walk the line, you're drunk, get in the back of the car, you're going in the, you're going in the hooskow for the night. So, yes, you can pull out those exceptions where people, you know, kill somebody and say, well, that's far worse because somebody died. But I'm saying if you look at it globally, Every case of domestic violence, a woman is being assaulted. That is not okay. I'm not saying DUI is okay. I'm saying when you're looking at severity, every case of domestic violence, if you have any proof that it went on, should be dealt with severely. Where I I would say DUI, you could have levels. You could have, you know, hey, Jerry Brown, Josh Brent, you're suspended for a year or whatever the case may be. Or you could have a case where, (laughs) you know, a, a guy was swerving on the road, gets pulled over, and you suspend him for four games or two games, whatever. But to me, the, the main point, two main points, I will repeat them quickly. One is two games is a joke. It's a joke. It's an insult. I don't agree with it. I think it should have been a minimum of four. If your quarterback gets suspended for four games for an alleged rape that turned out to not even be true, then why are we suspending um, Ray Rice for two games? For something we know happened. 
number one. And number two, Stephen A. and all these commentators out there that want to get on their high horse and be experts, excuse me, on everything, should rethink that and really stick to sports. Every once in a while, a social commentary is okay. I think Stephen A. does it way too much. And I think this is a good time for him to reevaluate that. You know, and who am I? I'm just Commissioner T of the Man Boy Stephen A. is ESPN Worldwide. Hey, I'm just giving my opinion just like he does. Tone it down, Stephen A. Stick to what you're good at, and you're good talking sports. I will give you that. You know your sports, especially football, uh, basketball is, is your sport, and, and you're getting better at football. Stick to that. Enough said. All right. Um, Geno Smith. Oh, actually, before we do Geno Smith, um, real quick, uh, just so everyone is, is on the same page going into the new season, um, you probably heard it, but I'll tell you again. Goalposts are five feet higher. Um, that was a rule that was passed. Um, there is a rule, extend roll-up blocks from behind to include such blocks from the side, adding and from the side to the existing. Okay. Um, uh, this one's irrelevant. It's more communications. Uh, this one, I can't remember the game, but this, this one was directly from a game last year. Recovery of a loose ball reviewable. Um, and that happened in a game where it wasn't reviewable and it actually cost somebody a game last year. And I remember watching the game, but I can't remember which game it was. Um, allow the clock to run after the quarterback is sacked. And, um, yeah, this other one's irrelevant. Um, what I found interesting, they were talking about moving kickoffs back to the 40. That actually failed. This one really disappoints me, though. Allowing personal files to be reviewable. That failed. It's not even, some of these are tabled, um, but that one failed. Uh, the extra point was tabled. There was a lot of talk about um, um moving it to the to the um, 25-yard line, but that was tabled. And uh, allowing a coach to challenge any official decision, which I think should have, those two should have been passed to me, that, uh, that also uh, failed. So, um, and there was some bylaw changes. There was one, um, it's just the roster from moving the roster 53 from uh, – uh, from 6 o'clock, it'll now be 4 o'clock. I don't see that much as a big deal. There was one um, bylaw to um, have one preseason cut down to the 53, and not this weekly. You've got to get to this, and you've got to get to that. Um, but that one just failed completely. So, um, And they actually tabled a proposal to increase the active roster from 46 to 49 um, for teams playing Thursday, Friday, or Saturday games, which I can understand why, because they have a shorter week, and uh, hopefully that one will pass. So so that's really it on the rules. No biggie. Nothing, nothing really earth-shattering there. Um, Although, so, apparently, yeah, this isn't a rule change at all, but more of an emphasis. emphasis. Apparently, they, for whatever reason, the NFL, Goodell, and you know the executives, that, the powers that be, yeah, I have said that they want to reinforce and be more strict um, on defensive holding and illegal contact on the field. You know, illegal contact on the football field used to be, uh, and and was clarified as such. Um, so whenever a quarterback breaks the pocket, you know, and they're throwing down the field, uh, they would call illegal contact if the receiver was being, I believe, grabbed at some kind of capacity. Uh, by the defender, but now apparently, 
even if, and, and they used to only call it, sorry, they used to only call it if, you know, that was the intended target and the intended, you know, and the cornerback of the intended receiver uh, grabbed the player. Now, apparently, um, it's to the point where it's to be called anywhere in the field. So even if, you know, the guy wasn't in the intended receiver, um, they can call it regardless and are encouraged to do so. I, I don't know if you have heard anything about this. Um, no, I didn't hear about this one. Um, I think the whole defensive holding, um, illegal contacting is always going to be a muddy water um, because you have to you have to define line between you know giving them that five yard zone off the line and 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 yet y- 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 it being a passing league now, um, y- you have to give the defensive back some ability to cover. So you got to kind of allow some some level of contact there and 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 depending on who you get for uh, officials um i i don't i just think the whole thing is it's not black and white it never will be black and white um and and goodell could say whatever he wants and the officials can say whatever they want but i mean it's 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 not going to be consistent because if if you if you enforce it to the letter of the law pretty much every just like offensive holding there's offensive holding on every play. Every play, yeah. Every play, you know what I mean? And, and so you've got to use your best judgment. You know, when is it giving the um, offensive player an undue advantage? And I think that's kind of what they do on defense. Did, did that contact give that defensive back an undue advantage? And if it didn't, then they don't call it. If it did, then they call it. And beyond that, I don't know what they're going to do. They can they can have all the intentions in the world, but that's always going to. Well, be let me let me let me read this though. This is from Mike uh, Pierre. Um, he says, "Interesting." And this is of uh, July 18. Interesting day at the NFL officiating clinic. Biggest point of emphasis for 2014: illegal contact at defensive holding more offense. Last time the NFL had this as a major emphasis was 2004. And the number of illegal contact fouls went from 79 to 191. NFL says they're offsetting this emphasis with an emphasis on calling offensive pass interference. Not even trade, in Prayer's opinion. Honestly, I don't remember there are being so many points of emphasis. Also, false starts taunting others. I'll cover more later. By the way, officials were shown many plays regarding illegal contact and, and defensive holding. How many Seahawks plays? None. Um, and kind of just to go on, uh, what legal contact is, differentiating legal contact and illegal contact for everyone at home, uh, the rule, as stated, uh, clarifies that legal contact, and this is legal, legal contact within five yards, within five yards of the line of scrimmage, that if it's a defensive player, they chuck an eligible receiver in front of them. The defender is allowed to maintain continuous and unbroken contact within the five-yard zone so long as the receiver has not moved beyond the point that's even with the defender. Illegal contact, however, is illegal contact within five yards. Within the five-yard zone, if the player who receives the snap remains in the pocket with the ball, a defender may or, or may not make original contact in the back of the receiver, nor may he maintain contact after the receiver has moved beyond the point as even with the defender. Hmm. So, yeah, and there's a great idea, and you're right. This, this is something that we call pretty much every play, just as holding can, because this is yeah. pretty, this can happen any, and I guarantee this happens every play. Every play. 
right? I, I mean, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and, I mean, I mean, and 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 football is very physical. And you know, you get guys like you know, you get the physical keep to leaves and stuff out there. These these guys, you know, are playing physical. Well, why are they physical? They're not physical because of the hits they're making. They're physical because of how they're playing you on the line and out in the field. Yep. You know, and so you know, I really think. They can emphasize it all all they want, and maybe we will see a spike. Um, but I, I think what will happen is we might see a spike in the first few uh, weeks, and then there's going to be an uproar. Like you 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 know you you're, you're killing the offense, and we all know offense points. Maybe defense wins champion, but points win the games, and people want to see action. I'm, I'm, it won't last. <laughs> it won't last. In, in, in my opinion. Um, well, I mean, let me call this against. I, this would be a more offense if this is enforced the way NFL wants it, because basically you're going to be handing out free first downs. I mean, this is yeah, that's moving the ball, I, I that's not offense. The, that's moving the ball, though. That's that's moving the chains with no. Oh offense. yeah, okay, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. You mean you mean yeah. live action, right? Right. We okay. want to see action. Right, no, I don't want to see the marks down the field. Absolutely field agree. That's boring. I mean, me, that's not. Yeah, Pete. Yeah. What what worries me about this though is this kind of reminds me of you know, some fouls in basketball, right? Where, you know, uh, technically a whistle could be blown on any play in basketball, and, you know, you can try to justify it as a foul. You can, you know. And, and with this, I mean, this puts more power in the ref's hands, which to me is a dangerous thing because, again, you're right, they can throw this in any play. So I really hope, I really, really hope the NFL uh, kind of gets feedback from the general public on this and, 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 and finds some pretty um, viable points that are made from from yourself, from me, from fans elsewhere, players and stuff like that, and really reassesses the situation because I, they better, you know, hopefully get it control on this before it gets out of control because they can't. Yeah, yeah, it can get out of control, and I think I think my whole mantra is let them play, and and you know, we, you, you, we all have been a part of this game for long enough to know when it's getting out of hand, and then okay, it's time to throw some flags, but. You know, you you watch a play, you know there's going to be some contact. And, again, if the defense is manhandling him and getting an unfair competitive advantage, you throw the flag. Okay, but other than that, if he's just battling and they're both battling, hey, let it go. You know, unless the guy hits the ground or something like that, let it go. But um, we'll see. That was good. That was a good fine case start. It'll be interesting to watch that. We'll, we'll keep, that on our, uh, keep that on our radar. A um, couple more things before we get out of here. Um, Geno Smith, I, I definitely wanted to talk about this, um, and 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 in case I'm curious, your your thoughts on it. Um, here's a guy who isn't even the starter yet uh, on his team, who, in my opinion, did not have a stellar year last year uh, at all. Uh, thus, uh, by the fact that I mean, when you get a a Michael um, who still has some starts left in him and you bring him in to compete for the starting position, um, that sends a message. I mean, Seattle obviously didn't do that, and San Francisco didn't do that, and, and, and uh, you know, there's, there's so many other teams with first-round draft picks that didn't do um, So, or, I mean, the Colts didn't do that. So, but he comes out and he says that he is on his way to being a quarterback. I, you know what, I'm, I'm going to just say my thoughts on it. And, and there were a couple other Jets that had some things to say. Um, shut up. <laughs> I, yeah, j- just, just do it. Nike, right? Just do it. If you feel that you have that potential, God bless you. Good luck. But 
when you're coming off, you know, if Andrew Luck came out and said that, I'd say, dude, you might already be there. You know what I mean? Like, he can come out and say that. You know, he had a great year last year, and he can come out and say, hey, I, I really think I'm on my way to being a top five NFL quarterback. Okay, you know what? Find four quarterbacks that played better than him last year. You, you're going to struggle. You probably can, but he can say that. But Geno Smith? I mean, really? Where the heck did this come from? I, I don't get it. Shut up. Shut up. That's all I got to say. Shut up. Go ahead, Kate. <laughs> uh, listen, I don't really – I, I I need to see more from Geno Smith before I can even say that he has potential of being a top five quarterback in his career. I don't know that he he can be. I don't know that he can't be. You know, he had some pretty good games last year. Uh, Monday Night Football, Atlanta. You know, he went 16 for 20, uh, 200 yards passing, three touchdowns, no interceptions, 147 quarterback rating. Conversely, <laughs> he had games against Buffalo and, and back-to-back at Baltimore where his QBR was 10.1, 22.3, completing 34%, 40% of his passes. Um, so you've seen the good and you've seen the bad. You know, and last year it really wasn't – again, it's an incomplete uh, – I think he's an incomplete player because he – and last year was kind of incomplete grade because he didn't have enough talent to really fairly assess him at the receiver positions. You know, and now they brought in Eric Decker. You know, they brought in Chris Johnson to help with the running game, who's also a threat out, threat out the backfield. Um so I don't even know if he's capable. We'll know more after this season. But I do agree with your statement and your assessment and your advisement, and that is for Geno Smith to shut up. Because in no way, shape, or form should he be, you know, patting himself on the back. He's far too young, far too inexperienced, far too unaccomplished. And um, honestly, uh, in, in too tight of a situation with quarterback, with quarterback Michael Vick breathing down his neck to, you know, even be talking about him being top five quarterback when – the Jets may find out and, and announce themselves that he's not even the top quarterback on their own football team and that Michael Vick is. And I, and I think that's the key here is you're not even a starter on your own team, but you're saying you're on your way to me. I, I, hey, listen, I, 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 you know, we, many of us have played competitive sports or done something competitive. You know, we always talk about K-Star, you know, and his being at the top of the Madden uh, field for so long. You've got to have a certain, as, as, as a younger kid, say swag, right? You've got to have a certain, you know, uh, a strut. I've been told that I have a lot of confidence. I was told that earlier today. Um, You've you got to have that. and it, That's okay. But... Again, I wish I could hire myself to be PR for some of these guys. Um, there's a way to say it and not bring an unnecessary, potentially negative spotlight on yourself, number one. And number two, why do you want that much pressure? You know, we, still, we are still in a league with, as Shane calls him, the four horsemen, right? We are still in the league, so you already have – these four guys at the top of their game still. Peyton's still at the top of his. Brady's still, you know, at the top of his game. And then Breeze and, and, and Aaron Rodgers, right? So you still have those four guys. And then when you talk about an Andrew Luck, when you talk about a Ben Roethlisberger, right? He's got two Super Bowl rings. You talk about even my, my quarterback, Tony Romo, who's, you know, right now I think either number one or number two all-time NFL passer rating, okay? Say what you want about wins and losses. Um, could, could stand to do a little bit better there, but the guy can play some football. You know, there are quarterbacks in this league that play really, really well. And so for you to project yourself to be – that doesn't even count the class that came in that was pretty strong of quarterbacks. So 
Why would you do that to yourself coming off a year that you had, which was really, in my opinion, not very good? I just I don't I don't get it. I, I think sometimes these guys. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know what they're thinking when they're getting interviewed. Or maybe it's, you know, you're 23, 24 years old, and you're getting interviewed by a sports guy who's 50, and these guys have been doing these interviews for 20 years, and they pull these things out of you, and next thing you know, guys like me and K-Star are talking about you. Maybe you didn't even uh, uh, mean to say that, and you just got on a roll, and the guy was able to pull it out of you. I don't know. But, you know, watch a, a, a Peyton Manning interview. Watch a Tom Brady interview. Watch a Tony Romo interview. Watch these guys that don't say these things, that don't get out there and bring, you know, it's all about what the team can do and their contribution to the team, and, you know, and, and that's it. They're not even focused on their individual accolades. They're not. It's, you know, well, you know, we got players, you know, offensive line, you know, the team, we're going to do it, I'm going to do my part, we're going we're gonna to work hard, blah, blah, blah. That's what they do, and yet you come out and say this ridiculous stuff. I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Anyway, um, I said an hour show. We're over by a little bit. One more topic tonight, and then uh, we'll carry on. We have other things to talk about, but we, we've got, you know, we, we've got the whole preseason to cover the the entire off season and and and, and what's going on in the NFL. So uh, we we've got a lot of time to talk about things before the first game starts, and then once the first game starts, we're off and running. Um, last topic, which I, I was, I'm very curious, K Star's thoughts on this one. Um, Marshawn Lynch, Super Bowl winning running back uh, for the Seattle Seahawks, is holding out, which is not unusual at all. Um, and I'm, I'm watching that. looks like Josh Gordon is, a, is appealing his suspension. Um, he tested positive for marijuana, and he's, uh, let's see, his attorneys uh, believe there's sufficient evidence to at least have the suspension reduced. Okay. Interesting. All right. So there you go. We give you yeah, a he's trying, he, he's trying to claim that uh, second hand. Mm, good luck with that one, bro. Um, uh, he's due $5.5 million this year, $7.5 million next year. Uh, Pete Carroll's comment, um, which I, I really found very interesting, was, and I quote, it's a contract for a reason. Uh, would lead you to pretty much think that Seahawks aren't going to negotiate. Um, so, K-Star, your thoughts on Lynch and uh, his holdout? Uh, you know, Marshawn, um, it, first of all, Marshawn Lynch is a great, great, great player um, in the National Football League. One of the best running backs, certainly top five. Uh, but Pete Carroll saying that, you know, it's a contest for a reason. While you know, factually correct, while technically true, that's not how the owners, you know, that's not what not how the NFL works, right? So the NFL players, the organizations, the, the, the organizations, the coaches, the GMs, whoever, they can decide when a player is not worth, you know, the contract anymore, right? So I have no no problem with, with when players hold out, when players try to make the money their money in the NFL because it's it's rare. When teams and organizations and franchises themselves honor that contract, so why should the players? It's not equal playing field. So you know, it, there's no clause in the contract that says that you know the franchise can't cut you. So why? What's there to say that Marshall Lynch has to report? Why can't he hold out for more money if he feels he's entitled to more money? You know, and 
he may not get that money. It may not be a success. But the whole, you know, argument that you should honor your contract, well, if they're going to start doing that, NFL players, then let's make sure that NFL organizations, NFL franchises, you know, that they also write that little clause in their contract that they, too, have to honor their end of that contract and obligation. Well, well but, but here's the problem, K-Star. If an NFL team decides to cut you in the contract, uh, you, you, you get it. You negotiate that up front. There is a certain amount of guaranteed money that you will get. And if you get cut or released, then that money is accelerated and you get paid. And you know that when you sign. So it's not exactly apples for apples. Here, Lynch has a valid contract that's going to pay him $13 million over the next two years and he wants to hold out for more money. That's a little bit different. That's, 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 that's almost like an NFL team saying to Lynch, we're going to pay you $13 million. We want you to take a pay cut, and if you don't take a pay cut, we're benching you. Okay, that, that doesn't happen, right? He's, he's got guaranteed money in his contract. If they cut him, he's getting paid that money. He's holding out, hoping to get more money. That is his right. Now, I will agree with you there, but I wouldn't compare it to the owners living up to their end of the contract because it's built into the contract. If I release you or if I cut you, then here's what you make. So they're, they're fulfilling their end of the contract. What I will say, and I agree with you, Marshawn Lynch um, is probably one of the most underrated running backs in the NFL. When people talk about greatness, Adrian Peterson, uh, LaShawn McCoy comes to mind. Uh, Lynch is in the conversation, but usually after these two guys. And, um, you know, nicknamed Beast Mode, you know, arguably he should be right there with Adrian Peterson. However, um, they didn't – you also have to understand your dynamics of your team. Your team is not an offensive juggernaut. Your team is a defensive juggernaut, number one. This is not a running backs league. This is a um, passing league, number two. So, you know, I, I mean, are you really in a position to demand more money? And I don't, you know, I know Jamal Charles held out and he got paid I get that's one of the things that they're they're comparing to, but from what I understand, I mean, 13 million over two years, pretty high in the pay scales for NFL running backs. So where do you go from there? You know, like I, I'm not sure. I mean, I thought I was actually surprised. I thought the guy was making two, three million a year, and I was going to say, okay, yeah, that's kind of insulting. He's made, he's averaging six and a half million a year. So where is he going to go from there? And you know, if you want a contract extension, well, I don't know how old he is, but I know he's been around for a few years. That's tough to get after two more years with his physical type of play. That's that's hard to get. So I, 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 while I, while I agree with you, has the right to say I'm not going to play unless you you know pay me more money. I don't know that he's in a I don't know that I, I think unfortunately. Um, he's either going to – my prediction, he'll be back playing when he realizes that they're not going to budge, that his agent is going to say, look, <laughs> you ain't going to get paid unless you get back on because now you're going from $13 million to getting no money. Yeah. I mean, he's actually in a position to lose money if he doesn't report in the next few days. Uh, apparently, he can start losing a few thousand a day or I don't know if it's in the tens of thousands. I'm not sure what, you know, that number is, but – he could have cost himself some more money 
Um, oh, yeah. I mean, at some point, they are going to find them. Absolutely. At some point. Yeah. I don't know if they've started yet or not, but at some point, yeah, they're going to find them. And the, the interesting thing there about Lynch is, you know, he's a guy that I believe he's 28, 29. He's not 30 yet, right? And 30 is considered, you know, the the stage in an NFL running back's career where, you know, you're you're pretty much a shell of your former self. Uh, at this point, you're, instead of running 100%, you're more like running at 75%. You're just not you anymore. And therefore, your value declines. And, you know, Marshawn's hoping to land more money. And actually, schematically, you can argue that Marshawn Lynch is the most important player on the Seahawks, Seahawks offense, and therefore he does hold certain leverage that other running backs can't hold, you know, their teams um, hostage to, so to speak. But I don't really think it's a good move on his part. I don't think it's really smart for him to do so, do this, because I, if you're going to cost yourself money, you're going to, you know, and again, if you're trying to play for a new contract um, at beyond this season, well, if you're not in the NFL camp, you know, getting in shape, getting in football shape, there's a pretty good chance that you fail to perform the season. Therefore, you are declining your own value when you do hit that free market uh, as a free agent player. So I really agree with the business move. I just... I, I don't really know what Marshawn's doing. I get the right, well, you know, at the end of the day, but I don't really agree with his, his stance. Well, and, and, and the other thing is, he's 28. He had 1,257 yards last year, 79 yards a game, and 12 touchdowns. Solid numbers, good, solid year, great, good year. Um, you know, but, you know, I mean, he's got two years on his contract. He'll be 30, and you're right. 30 is kind of that, that line of demarcation. That's kind of... You you really got to be an upper echelon uh, running back to get big money after thirty. You you can get you know you can get you can get a job. But, you know what he's doing. I just I don't see it. I don't see it. Um um. I you know I I I predict he's going to end up uh, coming back because then I, I don't think they're going to give him any more money. He's getting paid very well in my opinion, and I research um more, but you know six. For a running back, um, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's that's pretty doggone good. So, yeah. Anyway, I just wonder what effect this will have on the Seahawks if he does stay out for a prolonged period of time. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I, I, but I, 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 I don't know, man. I don't think it's gonna. I, I mean, this is this is where the NFL is really funny because at at some point we talk about great players. But then we talk about what happens if they're not there, and we then end up sometimes almost contradicting ourselves because you feel like a team's got enough depth or there's enough, you know, there's enough running backs out there to where they'll be okay because of the system. And Lynch is, he's a hard running, I mean, I'll never forget that run he had a few years ago, one of the best runs I've ever seen in my life, you know, and it, it shows the kind of, uh, you know, running back that he is. Um, but that said, I don't think, I think they, they, he's definitely their starter. He's their franchise running back. If he's not there, I think they'll find somebody else that will, you know, maybe not get him 1200 yards, but they'll get somebody that'll give him eight, 900 yards and they'll find, you know, Russell Wilson's still growing and developing. They'll find a way to get those other few hundred yards, either screen passes or Russell Wilson rolling out doing his thing. I think they'll be fine offensively without him. Um, I don't think it's – I think their whole mantra is defense, and their defense sets up their offense. And that's Pete Carroll, and 
that's what Seattle's going to be, and that's what we saw against Denver in the Super Bowl. And uh, I just don't, I don't, I don't get his. I don't know why he's holding out, but uh, my prediction by the time we come back on the air is he's back on the field. That's my prediction. I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. Um, all right, K-Star. Um, we, let's see. So we got the Hall of Fame game on Sunday. And what I'm going to say is we're going to skip next week simply because really the only thing that's going to change between now and next week is kind of the Hall of Fame game. Um, it's the following week where everything gets rolling. So um, we will be back in two weeks. And from that point forward, I, I, I think it's a safe bet that we will be doing weekly shows from that point forward. Um, we'll be into preseason, and uh, we'll, be, we'll be rolling straight through from that point. So um, no Madden voice the next week. And uh, we can kind of get a little bit more of our summer in, although summer's going to continue with or without the show. But uh, and then we'll come back in two weeks, myself, K Star, and we'll hope to have Doctor Train and uh, uh, as Train calls him, Little Big Brother Jay, um, back with us, and we can do a full blown show. And uh, we will talk about some of the things we didn't get to tonight, uh, some things going on with the Colts, the Eagles. We'll talk about the Patriots, and we'll start looking at teams division by division, and. You know, I'm not big on predictions because you just don't know. But let's talk about kind of how we see, uh, you know, kind of the power power rankings, if you will, uh, in with with what went on in the off season. You know, did Denver do enough? Denver made. Did they do enough to put themselves back in contention? Where's Seattle going to be? Are the Patriots still going to be there? You know, and of course, Steelers, the Cowboys, the Bears will talk about, you know, is this the Giants? You know, the Giants in every few years tend to make a run. And, and, you know, is this their year to do it? What's going on in the NFC East? The Redskins made a lot of moves. Are they going to dethrone Philly? Where are my Cowboys? There's a lot to talk about. There's a lot of plot lines there's a lot to discuss, and uh, we'll start to un- unravel those mysteries um, when we come back the week after next. Uh, K-Star, any final words or comments? Or- uh, you know, just like I said, that football finally had some, you know, it, it's in it's in sight, you know, and it's next Sunday. I'm sorry, this Sunday it's coming up, and it's, I can't wait. I'm excited, and uh, looking forward to having te- uh, the whole team with us next time. And also, people, listen, yeah, well, I'm also the, the face, arguably the voice of Madden. I'm also a bit of a fantasy football guru. And we want to make a point of emphasis this season um, to focus some time on fantasy football. And I believe next show, T, uh, we want to do like a little fantasy football preview or, or at least mm-hmm. touch on um, the fantasy mm-hmm. football season that's coming up. Mm-hmm. Great. So that'll be fun this season as we get more into, you know, fantasy football because a lot of people obviously uh, invested in that part of uh, football as well. The NFL is very multidimensional, and fantasy football is huge within it. So I'm excited about that as well. Excellent, excellent, excellent. So in closing, um, K-Star may have missed my my very opening comments before the music played. I uh, very quickly mentioned the passing of my father, which was um, just about six weeks ago. And um, I, I commented that uh, at one point I wasn't even sure if I was going to continue to do the show this year um, with, the, with the unexpected loss of my dad and the impact on my family and just not really sure if I had it in me. And um, my dad loved football. 
My, my dad, that was his favorite sport. He didn't have a team, but he loved football. He loved a good competitive football game, and I will certainly miss Thanksgiving watching the Cowboy games with my dad in the basement, me, my dad, and my brother. So instead of bailing out, not doing the show, I decided to dedicate this season to my dad because he so loved football. And really, it, it, was, it was my little quick story here. When I was a little boy, I was, as many kids, I, I always went with whatever team was winning was my team. And so I would watch football with my dad, and I would be a such-and-such team fan. And he'd say, you know, but last week you were such-and-such team. And I said, well, I like this team now. And dad, and he would say, look, you know, son, you, you, you have to pick a team. You know, you can't just go with the team that's winning, and the next week they're losing, and then you switch teams. Now I was little. I'm talking like five, six years old, okay? And so I said, okay. And so a couple weeks later, um, he said, you know, so who's your team going to be? And I went over to the TV and I pointed to the team with the star on their helmet. And I said, I like that star. This is going to be my team. What team is this? And he said, well, it's the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I don't remember all of this. I remember walking to the TV and saying I like the star. He filled in the rest because I was a little boy. And thus, and thus it began <laughs> my um, – a uh, 40-year love for the Cowboys. And, and, and so I, I, I say that story with a smile on my face to say that this season, Commissioner T is going to put everything into this show. I, I want everybody listening to this show. I, I want everybody to tell everybody about the show. I want us all over Facebook, all over Twitter, all over Instagram, all over Pinterest, and any other social networking um, site out there um you know we're going to reintroduce youtube again we used to do youtube blurbs we're going to bring that back up i i pulled down the website because frankly i just didn't like it so the website is down and i'm rethinking that to try to decide um number one if we even need one and if we do how is it going to interact with the show i want a super website or no website at all we'll just use facebook and twitter and all that but this year I'm going all out, and I know if my brother was here, he'd be co-signing everything I'm saying, um, you know, and I'm sure when he comes back on the air, he will. Um, but I, I'm just giving my commitment to my co-hosts and to all the fans out there, the Madden Voice, that um, not that I slacked off in previous years, but knowing how much this season is going to mean to me in memory of my father, I will give you guys everything I have this year, and uh, let's make this an incredible NFL, a.k.a. also Madden Voice season and show. Let's make it huge. Let's make it fun, interactive, and let's, let's rock. Let's, let's put this show on top to where other people are looking at us saying, how'd that happen? That's my goal, and um, I'm sure with K-Star, Dr. Train, and JB, uh, and everybody out there listening, it's going to happen. We, we, we're going to be relevant. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. All right. So on that note, for K-Star and for the absent Dr. Train and JB, it's been a pleasure. The first show in the books. Enjoy the Hall of Fame game. Watch ESPN, NFL Network. Stay on top of what's going on. We will be back in two weeks right here. Same bat time, same bat channel, the Madden Voice. And remember, all feuds settled on the field. Good night.